got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here. And in today's video, we are going to be talking about the Bitcoin price. It's getting a little bit spicy. And today we're going to talk about how Bitcoin rallied all the way up to $42,700 and change. We're going to be talking about whether or not Bitcoin is a cult because we have a very interesting article saying that it just might be. Now, of course, we don't want Bitcoin to be a cult, but is it really or is it not? How do all of these things impact the Bitcoin price? We're going to be talking about all of that and more in today's video, including a segment about Terra Luna. We're also going to be talking about U.S. bonds. Quite a lot to cover in today's show, and we are definitely looking forward to it. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. But without much further ado, I am joined as always by Tim. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing good. I, I'm excited about today's show. Again, like you said, that article came out. We're kind of diving in the discussion section closer to 1035. And guess what? It's not just us. Uh, there are three people in chat right now who will also talk about it. That is Matt C., Brad Geidel, and Tom Wilkes. They were interviewed as well, and the report was kind of interesting. We're going to kind of dissect it and then also see what you guys think about it as well. Absolutely. Well, we are also joined, as always, by Smay. Smay, how are you doing? Hello. I'm... Um, I'm... Oh, hold on. There you go. Um, Hello. I had to fix the audio. Hello, everybody. I'm doing all right. I'm a little at, uh, a little bit like a chicken with my head cut off. But uh, I just want to say, guys, I love you, and nothing makes me feel better than uh, reading some green names. So I'm going to go ahead. Uh, we got Elliot Locke, Crypto Alchemist. We got Elliot Locke again. We got Wind Peoples. We got Elliot Locke again. We got Crypto Alchemist again. Wow, back and forth. You guys are really going for it. Agent Gold. Who else we got here? Who else we got here? Uh, man, I got to find new names. Where's all the new names? Colin McDonald, Sultan of Salt, Tom Wilkes, Matt C. Oh, my gosh. Who? Crypto set guy bitcoin all just groovy i love all you guys you guys are the best back to you jeb good deal well guys we got a great show lined up for you today today's show is brought to you by coin change if you want to get some yields but you don't want to have to worry about jumping your money all over DeFi, then coin change is a great place to go they have some of the lowest fees and also some of the most consistent highest returns for a uh, DeFi protocol or excuse me for a DeFi yield farming protocol uh, and company so make sure you check out coin change the link is down below we're going to go ahead and jump on over to coin market cap right now though bitcoin sitting just shy of 2 trillion dollars 1 trillion 965 billion 345 million 383,077 dollars and uh, 69 cents just because it can bitcoin is currently sitting at 42,689 dollars it's up 5% over the last 7 days and is sitting right around 800 billion dollars the cryptocurrency markets are rallying right now as you can see over on bitcoin's chart we did manage to break through the very important resistance level of 42k we talked about 42k over the last couple of week over the last couple of days excuse me about how $42,000 was a very very important level to break through because we have a high back over here on the 7th of January 2021 at 42,000 that's a previous all-time high we also have a touch right here on the 14th of June 2021 we also have bottoms over here on the 7th of September and the 28th of September and then a bottom here in the four, around the 4th of December 
in 2021. All of those and more, even a bottom right here in March 2021, constituting 42K to be a very, very powerful level. Bitcoin had a decision to make yesterday. Was it going to break above $42,000 or was it going to break below its support zone that bottoms out around $38,700? Well, it looks like so far anyway, we have broken to the upside and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. Bitcoin is not the only mover though. Ethereum is also moving to the upside up 3.5% over the last seven days. Binance coin sitting still right there around $420. is sitting up 2% over the last seven days, but it is not moving all that much. XRP is up. Solana sitting up above $100. Luna uh, pushing back up towards $100, which Luna is doing very well. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. If you didn't see yesterday's video, you definitely should go back and watch it because we talked about why Luna is such a powerful cryptocurrency and why UST might end up dominating the stablecoin space. Make sure you go back and watch that video. T-Shroom wrote it. It was a phenomenal video. I think it turned out really well. Luna's all-time high is only at $120. It's not that far away from that, and it's had a meteoric rise over the last four days ever since it bottomed out around $75. I do think that you're going to see a lot more gains in Luna over the coming years. It's a great project, and Doquan is a very powerful uh, and very influential and intelligent leader of that project. Cardano sitting just below a dollar, Avalanche sitting just below $80, Polkadot sitting just below $20. All in all, it looks like we have some pretty good gains coming into the cryptocurrency space right now. Now, I want to take a look at the market dominance over on Bitcoin because the market dominance on Bitcoin tends to tell us a story. What we're seeing right now is that ever since the third month of this year, March, we have seen Bitcoin's dominance drop from 42% down to roughly 40%. Right now, it's actually sitting a little bit higher, around 41%. But in general, even going all the way back to you know December, uh, Christmas of 2020 and the New Year's of 2021, Bitcoin has been gradually losing market dominance to the altcoins. And that tells us a couple of things. Number one, it tells us that the altcoins are continuing to grow despite whenever Bitcoin is not. So if Bitcoin's in a downtrend, it means the altcoins very well may still be doing well. On top of that, it also means that the cryptocurrency space as a whole is maturing in a way that it had not done before. Now, instead of Bitcoin being the only cryptocurrency that can move the entire space, now the altcoins are able to do that too. So whenever you see Bitcoin losing dominance, don't take that as a threat and don't think, oh no, is Ethereum going to flip Bitcoin? Probably not, but if it does, who cares? What it does mean, however, is that the cryptocurrency space, the industry, the sector as a whole is starting to grow into a much more stable world web of assets rather than just everything revolving around Bitcoin. Tim, what are your thoughts on that? How do you think the industry is going to evolve over the next couple of years as some of these altcoins really reach their full potential? Are you talking more about altcoins or about crypto in general? Are you talking about Bitcoin? What's, what's So Bitcoin, I think we know, is, is the first fully proven asset. There's no yeah. argument that Bitcoin is a fully proven asset, at least in my mind. Now, as for Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, pretty much everything else, every single other cryptocurrency in the market, it's not fully proven yet. It's not fully operational. It's not fully implemented in the way that it's intended to be. And it has not been fully trusted by the by the uh, sector that it's going to end up impacting. But it looks like we're moving in that direction. And that means that less of the impetus is on Bitcoin to start movements. And now the altcoins can start moving on their own. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think we're, you're going to see, especially this year, with institutions getting more involved. I don't think it's just going to be Bitcoin, although I do think the massive majority of institutional money coming in will go to Bitcoin. I think you're going to see institutions get a lot more involved. They already are involved kind of with Ethereum. They used to be involved. 
involved with Cardano, but obviously we talked about that a couple weeks ago. That left and is now slowly coming back into the space. Uh, there's definitely some there in Solana. I've even seen some in VeChain, uh, AVAX. So I think this year you're going to see a lot more institutional money going there due to the technology. Bitcoin's technology is going to help solve monetary issues and fights against inflation. When it comes to these other altcoins, it's I've said this before, one of the coolest things happening with smart contracts and NFTs, people use it right now for art, but I'm excited about how NFTs will be used for business transactions and business agreements in the future. Watch institutions and large businesses begin to adopt altcoins that offer great smart contract solutions uh, to be able to integrate into their businesses and use that technology for more profits. Bitcoin, though, is where they're going to invest for the sake of hedging against the U.S. dollars dying. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think the good news is we're going to see a lot of growth over the in the industry over the next three to five years, even if it doesn't always reflect in price. Remember, the price is downstream of the fundamentals. As the fundamentals continue to grow, the price is eventually going to move with those fundamentals, but it could take time. We have seen very, very, very successful, I'm talking $1 trillion plus market capitalization companies like Apple and Amazon lose 50, 60, 70, 80, 90% of their market capitalization before on their stock and they recovered because the fundamentals were strong and the price was f what uh, would end up following. So let's not get too worried about the price. Let's just uh, be encouraged that it's bouncing and rallying and also look forward to the day that it does actually have a major uptrend. So let's go ahead and jump onto Bitcoin. Let's do some analysis on it. Right now, Bitcoin is currently sitting around $42,560. As I said, it did manage to break above 42K recently. The good news is we saw something called a green-red-green formation. What that essentially is, is a green candlestick followed by a red candlestick indicating the bears attempted to take control, but they failed and the bulls actually ended up taking charge. What this shows is that the bears tried and the bears failed. Now, one thing to keep in mind here is that if you don't look at today's candlestick and you just remove that. This was actually a pretty concerning candlestick we were forming yesterday because we were bouncing and then we barely even bounced anywhere at all and we saw something called a spinning top. What's a spinning top? Well, it's a candle with a high wick and a low wick that are both about the same size. But if we move the chart forward, we can see that the chart did end up moving to the upside. That's a good sign. Now, there's a couple of other very important things happening today. Number one, we're about to have a bullish MACD cross coming into play on the daily chart. That does indicate to us that the market is moving in the right direction. We want to see a bullish MACD cross. Let's just do some historical analysis here. Look back on history. What is a bullish MACD cross capable of? Well, if we look at the last several times we've seen a bullish MACD cross on the daily chart, not all of them lead to major uptrends, but a lot of them do lead to some kind of uptrend. This was a MACD bullish cross. In this case, Bitcoin rallied, as you can see, 12%. In this case, Bitcoin actually dropped, so that, that MACD cross was not very powerful. Uh, but you can see it was actually a very flat, very uh, low power MACD cross. So we could actually read in the MACD cross itself that the chart was probably not going to do all that much. Now, in this case, we saw a very powerful MACD cross. In that case, we saw a 23% rally. In this case, we actually saw a 20% rally in two days. And then right over here, we saw a 22% rally in 14 days. So just doing some historical analysis here, we can see that whenever MACD crosses bullish, that typically means that we're going to see somewhere between maybe a 5 to a 20% rally. Let's just cut that in the middle and say, okay, what, what if Bitcoin rallied 12%? Well, if Bitcoin rallied 12%, it would go back to $48,000, which is the local high that we set back here in March. That would be phenomenal. We want to see Bitcoin do that, and then maybe we could rally up to 48000 have a small correction, have a bearish MACD cross, and then reset and move to the upside. Those are all speculative ideas, of course, but they are potentials. But that's not the only thing that is flipping bullish. Lux Algo and its Lux Oscillator in particular is starting to turn 
bullish. You can see Lux Oscillator down here operates somewhat similarly to MACD, but it does give you different signals from time to time. Lux Oscillator is a very powerful technical indicator. It, as I said, is read somewhat similarly to MACD, and it comes into play when you look at the Lux Algo indicator itself and the Lux uh, Trend Catcher, as you can see right here. When both of those turn green, so we have a buy signal and Trend Catcher turns green, then that is a good sign that we're going to move to the upside. Neither of those things has happened yet. To be clear, Bitcoin would probably need to get up to $45,000 to have a bullish cross, uh, a, bull, um, a uh, confirmed bullish indicator coming out of Lux Algo, but we uh, we have not seen that just yet. Now, one thing to mention, however, is on the three daily chart, we're still under a confirmed buy signal and we have been ever since the 26th of March. That's very powerful. And the reason that's very powerful is because as I've done analysis on before, and I believe there's a video on this in the channel, this is only the 13th bullish MACD, uh, the, excuse me, I'm sorry, the only the 13th confirmed uh, Lux Algo buy signal. That's a lot of words. That's a tongue twister right there. That's only the 13th confirmed Lux Algo buy signal in the history of the Bitcoin market. You go on the BLX chart, you look at the entire history, and if you go back and you use uh, Lux Algo's actual buy and sell signals, the trend catcher and Lux Oscillator, and you eliminate the false signals, i.e. the ones that do not fit all, thir all three of those criteria, then there are 12 that have played out fully. This 13th one is still in the middle of playing out. Of those 12 that have played out in the last 12 years, only one of them was bearish, and that one only led you uh, 8% to the downside. Every single other one led you over 50% to the upside, and traditionally, we saw 200, 300, 500, 1,000% rallies coming out of Lux Algo on the BLX chart, looking at the long term on the three daily. So take note of that, because what that means is that even though we're trading sideways and Lux Algo doesn't really know what's going on down here, on the daily chart because, well, it's a trending indicator. And as you can see, the indicator is saying that the market is ranging. That's what that means right there. It's not really built to show you what trend the market's going to go in when the market's not in a trend. So I just want to be clear on that. It's not that Lux Algo is, isn't working here. It's just that Lux Algo is built to catch trends as that's how you make your money. And we're not really in a trend right now. So that's why you're seeing a lot of these signals come into play. Point is, after we get above 45K or so, then we'll probably be just fine. Tim, we broke about $42,000. I think we agree that that's a very critical level of resistance. Do you think that this is going to be a false breakout and yeah. we're going to pull back? Or are we actually going to be able to rally up to 50 from here? Well, so it, it was critical. And, it, and I'm not, I don't want to take away from the power of 42, but there's also the line we've talked about now, and I've been talking about this, this 43.3 line. Again, that's the whole thing on the four-hourly chart. And let me take the volume down real quick just to not have so much confusion. Uh, that's the line we got to break. And there's two different things I'm seeing. Uh, if we can break through and break it, great. This isn't the the argument's not over yet. The case isn't over, but I will say there's some things I'm going to show you that are a little concerning. But again, the reason why, just in case people haven't missed, this point right here, this peak back on, let's see, I mean the, the peak happened on the 10th of April. The next day on the 11th, we dropped a little bit. But that point right here, if we were to draw a line up, the RSI is climbing. However, at the moment, the price is still below that level. If this continues to hold, if we do stop and we pause right here, we're going to be setting up bearish RSI divergence. What's even more concerning is because sometimes, you know, technically speaking, we had bearish RSI divergence right here on the 18th. We kept climbing up. We had it again right here on the 20th. We could keep going up. But what's concerning me, if I take away that line, is kind of zooming in on this little angle right here. These two points right here, we're at a flat level. That is a flat line on the RSI. And yet you can see the price has gone up. This is the slowing down of the power right here. As we approach 70 on the RSI, this is the slowing down. 
what I need to see to gain some confidence that we're going to break through that 43-3, which is possible. I need to see some some volume coming in space. I need to see some more power, and we need to get this RSI up and the price to go up to kind of cancel out a potential flat-topped RSI bearish divergence, which would at this point be a hidden divergence continuing to the downside. Uh, the hope isn't lost, but there are some things stacked against it. You guys are going to see we're also on the 4 hourly chart, uh, up against being back close to being overextended on the Bollinger Bands. Not that it's perfect. We got it right here. Moved sideways. Got it right here. Came down. Now we're back at it. It's not saying that we absolutely have to reject and come back down, but three times testing the top of the Bollinger Bands without serious comeback, without a serious retracement back to the 20, uh, four-hourly SMA, or even retesting the bottom level, there's there's kind of this idea that, like, man, this, this wall's taking a lot of hits. At what point will it break and we'll finally actually come back down? That's that's what I'm looking at right now. I know you know people do not like the fact that I'm giving some warning, some caution. If you don't like it, continue to buy. But you should be aware there are signs on the four-hourly chart that aren't as bullish as maybe we're seeing out in the daily or weekly, which are longer time frame uh, uh, indicators. So following that Bollinger Band narrative, do you think that we're going to pull back down to the 20 SMA on the four-hourly chart, with which would be around 41,200, or do you think we're going to have a bigger correction down below 40? Are you just talking about a small corrective movement in this uptrend that we started on the 18th, or are we going to see like a giant drop? That's, that's what is yet to be decided. I think another piece of information that is going to play a part in that is not technical analysis, although I will say as I'm watching the price continue to go up on the technicals, but I'm looking at these bullish opinion pieces going out on news headlines, that right there, I've talked about this before, again, is followed more often than not by red candles. There's a lot of bullish momentum. A lot of people are excited. People think it's going up, and that's when things happen. The Fed, though, Powell comes out today at 11, I believe. Am I right about that, T-Shirt? 11 o'clock this morning, so like literally right after we end this show, and he's going he's gonna to talk. And we know that right now the most factual bearish pressure on the price of not only Bitcoin, but the rest of the crypto market and the stock market and everything else going on there with assets is how hawkish or dovish will the Fed be in raising interest rates? We know they're going to raise them, but as long as they stay more around the 25 base point levels, we potentially could see Bitcoin continue to climb. It's when he starts giving us reason to think it's going to go ahead and jump up to 50 base points or a 50% increase. That's point when you have some... increase. What? A 0.50% increase. 0.50%. You're right. That's a pretty right. big difference. I'm sorry. Good clarification. If we start to see pressure there, that's when you're going to start to see as much as we know the crypto enthusiasts, hey guys, this is just the dollar. Even though this will give power back to the US dollar, the dollar is still dying. People who are kind of fringe crypto investors are thinking, hey, I don't really know that much about Bitcoin. Bitcoin, but I'll, I, I can make some money in it. They will be scared out of, especially especially the retail investors, they will be scared out of investing into Bitcoin. And at that point, now we are simply waiting and praying and hoping for institutional money to come in. But as we talked about yesterday, even though we think institution money will come in, the price will go up into the right because of them. If they can get the price to come back down and get a lower buying point, uh, point that's all good for them. Why not have that? So the, that's what my brain is concerned about right now. As I'm looking at the technicals, I'm paying attention to what's happening in the news, the fundamentals. Nothing is wrong with Bitcoin. Fundamentally, Bitcoin is the same as it was yesterday. The pressure right now is the opinion pieces and then facts, weighing what's happening there, watching what's happening on the charts and trying to make a prediction based off of that. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about Jerome Powell coming out and, and doing that announcement because federal because the federal funds rate, which is what we're actually talking about, the federal funds rate is the interest rate that underpins the entire economy. So if you go and you get a car loan at 8% or you go and you get a home loan at 4%, what the bank does is it, bar, it, it, it bases its interest rate on the federal funds rate or you know the prime rate. And it, it basically says, okay, this is the rate. We're going to charge two to two and a half percent, maybe three percent above that, depending on the depending on the type of loan. It's typically higher for car loans. Uh, we're going to charge such and such above that, and then we're going to take profit off the difference. So whenever you see the federal funds rate increase, which is what the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, meets to discuss, we just saw it raised by a quarter of a base, uh, a quarter of a percent, twenty-five base points. A base point, by the way, in case you're wondering what that term is, is 0.01%. It's one one-hundredth of a percent. That's what a base point is. So we, we talk in those terms when we talk about uh, uh, the federal funds rate. That's just the way that it's discussed. Now, I want to show you a chart here. This is Fred, F-R-E-D, dot St. Louis Fed, dot org, forward slash series, forward slash Fed funds. This is the federal funds effective rate. And here you can see what the federal funds rate is going all the way back to 1955. You can see it was sitting at 1.2% back here in August of... Uh, 1954. You can also see that it was slammed to the floor, basically nothing, for a very long time after the Great Recession in 2008 and 2009. Then around 2016, we saw interest rates start climbing. In November of 2015, all the way up to February of 2016, we saw a jump of 200% from 0.12, that was 12 base points, to 36 base points. And then from about uh, November of 16, all the way until about May of 19, we saw the interest rates jump all the way up to 2.5%. So if you tried to buy a house in 2015 and the interest rate that you got was 3.59%, and then you tried to buy a house in March of 2019, and the interest rate that you were offered was 5.42%, that's why the federal funds rate had increased, so it makes the, uh, the the circulation of capital using debt, uh, use, uh, using leverage and debt, a little bit more expensive. It's a way of slowing down the economy. It's a way of slowing down inflation. So what many people argue is that when you have massive inflation, like we saw back in the 70s and the 80s, what you do is you just jump interest rates a giant amount, and it'll slow down the inflation. That's why here in December of 1980, we saw interest rates sitting at 18.9%. My great-uncle Johnny had a lot of bonds because he made a couple million dollars uh, in farming, believe it or not, and he sold the land, and he put it in bonds, and he lived off the returns because the bond yields were ridiculously high. At one point, they were 20 then they were still 6, 8, 11%. The stock market grew massively there. So we're not going to get into today what the uh, point of growing interest rates are, but the question I want to ask Tim is, well, excuse me, I guess we kind of are going to get into that direction. I'm not. We're, what we're not going to talk about is the 80s. What we want to talk about is now. The interest rates have been jumped before, you know, 10% in a year. We saw that happen here where it jumped in July of 80 from 9% to by the by January of uh, 20, uh, 1981, it was at 19%. It jumped 10% in a year, although that was a very different economy. It was during the Cold War. We're not in 1980 anymore. We're now in 2022. Tim, how fast do you think that they're actually going to jump these interest rates? And how big of an impact on inflation do you think that would actually have if they did start jumping it 50 or 100 base points every single month like some people are speculating they will? Well, the first thing I want to do is make sure I clarify. I got an update from T-Shroom. He's speaking at a Penn Institute of Urban Research at 11. At 1 o'clock, he's uh, going to be talking more about what's happening with interest rates and, and inflation. But to answer your question, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of speculation and there's a lot of unknowns there because we haven't seen inflation this bad since the 80s. We also know from his 
pre previous speeches, at first he gave a lot of hope. He originally said, we think we're going to be able to handle this. The economy is good. We'll start with 25 base points. After one month of it, there was already a lot of concern from their reports saying that they did not think 25 base points was going to be enough. They're going to have to shift up to 50 and potentially faster than what we really want. I don't know if they're going to have to do month after month after month of 50. I think from what I've done research on and, and, and listened to other people who know way more than I do about this issue, they've said usually it's one month of 50 and then back to 25. And then if it's still not working, then they do another month of 50 and then back to 25. Rarely do they do continual months of 50 base points. That being said, there's a lot of fear about what that implication is. And today's not a final decision from him. He's just gonna be talking about it. But a lot of what he says, it is the most bearish pressure on the market right now. And if he gives us any reason to believe that that 50 base point increase is coming sooner rather than later, it's going to scare investors. Now, he also has been notorious for being a little hawkish in one speech and then following it up with a more dovish thing. This is this is something they're doing all the time is they, they kind of put out some feelers to see how people respond. And then they go back and they do something different afterwards based off that response. But he, in his last speech, the last time we heard from him about this issue, he was pretty adamant that they were not happy with where the current strategy was going, that they thought that they were going to have to get a little more aggressive. So unless this is a change of pace, unless this is I'm going to take back what I've said before, this it, there's a lot of anticipation this could continue to be hawkish pressure. And again, that's going to put a lot of pressure on assets like Bitcoin uh, to potentially go back down to the downside and get people to pull their investments from it. Well, you know, the good news is here's the good news. Bitcoin doesn't have a Federal Reserve. It has a hard-coded blockchain, and it has hard-coded inflation mechanics that were coded into it in late 2008 when it was being coded and built, and then fully implemented January 3rd, 2009 when it launched on the Genesis block. The fact of the matter is, Bitcoin does not have the ability to be inflated in one year, and then lower inflation the next year, and then higher interest in one year, and then lower interest in the next year. You know what that does when you're constantly adjusting interest rates like this? It provides instability in your currency. You see this line right here? This line from 1954 showing the federal funds rate? This should be flat. You know how much more stable the economy and the world will be and how much more we would understand as a society the concept of delayed gratification if the currency and the interest rates weren't constantly doing this? How do you build a house on an ocean? It's always moving. You have to build it on something solid. You have to build it on something flat, something stable. We are trying to build our modern society on a currency that's doing this, whereas Bitcoin is that. It's flat. It's completely flat. It, com it stays the same. Its inflation mechanics are 100% predictable. We can predict with remarkable accuracy when Bitcoin will be finished mining based on the average block time, based on the mining industry. Now, there is some fluctuation because it's not every exactly four years that a halving takes place. It has to do with every, I think it's 264,000 blocks, however many blocks it is that are in between each uh, uh, halving. And those blocks are around 10 minutes, not an exact science, but it's very close. What we do know is that Bitcoin does not change its inflation mechanics. It is not constantly changing the underpinning of its financial structure. It is the same and it always will be. What we're basically doing is we're building a money, we're building a currency, and then therefore a society that's built on top of that on a currency that acts more like a law of nature rather than something that can be manipulated by politicians and unelected bureaucrats. 
That's the vision for the future that Satoshi Nakamoto had, and that's the vision that I am personally bought into. And if you're worried about the short-term price, I get it. We want Bitcoin to move. I hope Bitcoin rallies to $50,000 soon. But you're not going to stop it no matter how hard you try because this is the next generation of currency. And now that Pandora's box has been opened, it can never be shut. Let's go ahead and read some Super Chats. Then we're going to dive into the discussion on whether or not Bitcoin is a cult. Stay yeah. tuned. We got a, actually a good amount of Super Chats here today. Uh, the Bitcoinologist, who's been a member now for six months as a Jedi Padawan, is one of them. He said, maybe on a future stream, would you be willing to discuss the possible effects of the single issue voter, meaning a voter vote, a voter voting based on the Bitcoin position of a candidate? Um, you know, the great thing about a free democracy, and by the way, we don't actually live in a democracy. We live in a representative republic. There's a little bit of a difference. It's a democratic process in a representative republic, at least in the United States. Um, the beautiful thing about a democracy, democratic process, representative republic is that if you want to vote on one issue, by all means, go right ahead. I'm not going to tell you that's smart. I'm not going to say that that's necessarily the best idea, but who am I to say? It's your vote, not mine. That's the whole point of it. It's not, it's not, it's not for me to go and tell you how to vote. That's why voting is anonymous, or it's supposed to be anyway. You know, I, I personally wouldn't vote on one issue. Although there are things that I wouldn't vote for someone because of one issue, but that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm just a guy. I have my vote. You have your vote. That's the, that's the beauty of it. Where it starts to become a problem is when uh, there's misinformation and people are voting on one issue and they're voting based on a lie. That's where you have to be careful. But how do you fix that? That's that's kind of the question of the century right now. How do you how do you address false information when nobody can agree on what's true? I'm not get, I'm not wading into that. I'm just saying that, um, you know, I it's not for me to say that somebody shouldn't vote on one issue because it's not my vote. It's their vote. That's the whole point. That's what I'd say on that. All right, let's keep moving on. Ethan Phillips said, can you give me your thoughts on who will be buying Bitcoin if slash when it ever gets above the $100,000 and goes even higher? Everyone. Yeah. Everybody's going to be buying Bitcoin. And the reason is because if it gets above $100,000, it's going to be sitting at a two and a half, uh, just shy of $2 trillion market capitalization. Uh, and what that means is that it is going to be starting to take on gold. It is going to be starting to take market capitalization away from gold. It is going to be like a black hole. Have you ever seen an animation of a black hole like or, or a vortex in, in water? Everything around it just kind of gets sucked into it. That's what you're going to see happen. You're going to see money get sucked out of equities. You're going to see money get sucked out of Forex. You're going to see money get sucked out of precious metals. And you're going to see it all go into Bitcoin. Now, there's inflation of the currency, so it's not actually going to be visible. You're going to see those markets continue to grow, but silently, behind the scenes, you will see people on an individual basis saying, yeah, I sold half of my gold position and put 90% of my proceeds into Bitcoin because I believe in Bitcoin more. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting couple of decades. Mm. Tom Wilkes, uh, I think we have two from Tom Wilkes. Tom Wilkes said, representing the coffee and crypto, <laughs> ensure contingent in our recliners with a blanket on our laps, wondering why lunch is so late today, but enjoying your opinions as always. <laughs> well, Tom thank you, Tom. Here. I appreciate we're talk, that. We're going to talk about Tom Wilkes here in just a minute, too. Yep. But he had another one saying, I forgot to ask in the last Super Chat. Imagine that. Oh, my gosh. Tom. He said, imagine that. <laughs> have you guys looked into USDD? With what we were talking about concerning stable coins, it looks interesting to me. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> I haven't personally looked into it, so I couldn't weigh in on that. Yeah, we'll have to do something on that one. The last one I see here, Jacob P48 said, are you bearish on the weekly charts due to the blood diamond on market cipher? No, I'm not. Yeah. And we've talked about that uh, in several streams, You probably, uh, the, but I understand we don't get to see every single stream. Um, I'm not 
concerned about it because it's one technical indicator. Now, there are it is a very powerful technical indicator, make no mistake. But we the, the reason that I don't take it very seriously is because I have no historical analysis to base it off of. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't trust it because I don't know it. Like I'm not gonna trust some person that I've never met with all my money because I don't I don't have a series of watching how they play with my trust. I don't have a track record with them. You know, I don't have a track record with a blood diamond because it never occurred. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's never occurred, therefore it must be super bearish. Not necessarily. Yeah. For all we know, it could be super bullish. We have no historical analysis to go off of. Now, if we had 12 blood diamonds, every single one of them, the market dropped 99.9%. Yeah, I would take that very seriously. But we don't have that. We don't, we don't have anything to go off of. So we can't really we, yeah. we can't really say it's going to be the end of the world because we just don't know. No, I mean, the weekly chart actually, you know, except for that blood diamond, <laughs> is actually a very it's bullish actually chart. Very bullish, yeah. It's just, it, it's to make an impact on the price will take months because... One month is four candles. Four candles is enough to create, give you all the information in the world. You got to look at a lot of them. Uh, so yeah, weekly chart not bearish at all. Daily chart is actually even pretty bullish. It's when you get down to the four hourly, and we're talking about the next twenty four to seventy two hours is where there's questions. I'm, it's not full out bearish, just questions. Um, but I think that's all we got for super chats. We did have one more come in from Travel Tim. Said I have both a Trezor and Ledger. If I leave the apps on my laptop and my computer gets stolen, can they get access no. to my private keys without the devices? No, this was a misconception that somebody had yesterday about Ledger because, as you guys know, we have an affiliation with Ledger. This this goes the same for Trezor to the best of my knowledge. I don't use Trezor products. Nothing against them. I just haven't ever used them. Um, what you have with Ledger Live, which is the application that allows you to view your Ledger device, is an application that scans the blockchain. The blockchain is fully visible to anybody who wants it. Ledger Live basically just says, okay, this is the public key, not the private key, the public key. With the public key, you can see what any wallet is holding. For example, I don't know, do we still have donation links at the bottom? No, for, for about three years, we had donation links that I think one person sent like $10 of Litecoin to one time, so we took them out. But if you wanted to, you could have gone into those videos back in the day, typed in that public key into, uh, blo- uh, you know, if it's the Ethereum on ETH scan or, or, or Bitcoin's uh, uh, scanning tools, and you can see how much Ethereum's in there. You can see how much Bitcoin's in there. That's all it's doing is it's just a fancy user interface that scans based off of the public key to see what's in there. The private keys are stored securely on the devices. If they weren't, then there's no point in having the device in the first place because if you're going to store the if you're going to store the private key on a desktop, which is viable, it's not as safe, then you would just go ahead and do that with something like an Exodus wallet. So mm-hmm. no, Ledger Live and Trezor's uh, related application does not store private keys on the device. Hmm. Well, before we transition, before we transition into discussion. I have a question for Smay. I have a, a metric I want to hear his opinion. Sorry, I didn't mean to be so mean. What'd you say? I have a, I have a metric I want to hear uh, Smay's opinion on. Yeah. If you have 1,400 people watching a video mm-hmm. and okay. you have 389 likes, mm-hmm. what are your views on that ratio? What are your thoughts about That's a good question. what should be recommended? That's a good question, Smay. What do you think? It's... Um from my my calculations using the Procratium theorem and the um, <laughs> the Procratium theorem and thirty day moving average, I'll be honest with you guys. I think that that is a very bearish proposition. That's pretty bearish, yeah. Um, I'm gonna need those numbers bumped up, kiddo. I'm gonna need you to bump that up <laughs> for me. Anyways, back what, to you. What Tim. what is that? What what do they say in the the Wolf of Wall Street? Gotta get those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Come on, guys. Gotta get those numbers up. I've seen the movie. Yeah, it's probably not a movie you want to watch. I'm kind of wishing I'd never seen it, but it's a funny movie. And he says, gotta get those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Come on. Everybody hit that like button. We're about to talk about is Bitcoin a cult. The other thing is, join, subscribe the channel, uh, share it with your friends. Yes. 
But here's the question, and and Jeb actually in, doesn't know that much about this. He's gonna he's gonna be hearing a lot of this and engaging with you guys. This is something that Smay and I got to deal with down in Bitcoin 2022. Uh, there's an article that's been posted by the Daily Beast, and we don't have the article going to go up. You know, there's a subscription to it. I don't want it to get locked out and then be weird on the screen, but I have everything here. But Smay and I had the opportunity to sit down with a reporter, a journalist that works for the Daily Beast. She asked us a lot of questions. It was a great interview. She kind of throws in at the end, hey, you know, you know, I, I specialize or kind of work a lot in uh, dealing with cults and in analyzing them, what's happening there. So I have a really, well, you know, because she knew that we were, you know, uh, Christians. She's like, I want to hear you guys take on all this. Smith and I proceeded, I don't know, 15 minutes of a beautiful conversation. It was awesome. Uh, the article comes out. The <laughs> article title is <laughs> We're a Cult Inside Bitcoin's Shameless Hype Fest. So I want to I want to dig into this a little bit. I mean, the Fun. first question before we dig into the details is Bitcoin a cult? I want to hear what you have to say, Jeb, first, and then I want to hear what Smay has to think. OK, about OK. So I've studied this not a lot, but some because I've dealt with cults before. I've dealt with people that are coming out of cults before. The first thing you have to ask is who's the leader of the cult? Who's the cult leader? Who? Who? Who's the cult leader? That, you know, that, there's like, I forget what it, like I said, I haven't studied this extensively. I'm not saying I'm an expert on cults, but there is a certain process by which you indoctrinate somebody into a cult. And the thing is, somebody has to be leading that. It cannot be a decentralized thing. You can't build a cult without somebody. A cult always starts with a charismatic person who founded it. Yeah. Not necessarily who founded it, excuse, excuse me, but a charismatic person who is leading it. Who Michael Saylor. To. Michael Saylor. He's okay. a cult leader. No. <laughs> Elon Musk. He's a cult leader. No. Who? Who is the founder of the cult? That's the first question. The second question is, are people being indoctrinated into staying in the cult? And by the way, I have not even seen this article. This is all just off the top of my head. Yeah. Are people being indoctrinated to staying in the cult by social pressure? And if they leave, is there a manipulative way of saying that you shouldn't leave? Now, hang on, because a lot of people are going to say, yeah, but but people say you got to stay in Bitcoin because if you miss out on Bitcoin, then then you're going to miss out on the games. That's not cult mindset. That's just simply a fact of saying, hey, look. Bitcoin's doing well. You can leave if you want to, but you're going to miss out. In a cult, what happens is when you get into the cult, if you want to leave the cult, then there are major societal ramifications, i.e. you will be you know, cut off from your family. You will be cut off from your money. You will be cut off from X, Y, Z. Also, there's normally somebody in the cult who is trying to exert psychological control and manipulation over a person. Who's doing that? I mean, we have very passionate YouTubers, but does that mean that the YouTubers are trying to manipulate and indoctrinate people? Some of them may be. I know most of the YouTubers in the crypto space. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a single one of them are. If you study what a cult is, Bitcoin not only is not a cult, it cannot be a cult. Hmm. But Tim, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I'm, I'm going to hear us make because there's more details to this article. There's it involves our fans as well. It's not just us that got into this article. It three of our supporters and they're again they're in chat right that is now. Hilarious. They're they're in this too. That's We're so funny. Like that. What are your thoughts, May? Um, 
Well, first of all, she seemed like a very nice lady. She was. Her name. Um, her name is Emily uh, Sugarman, I think. Super, super nice lady. Very nice lady. Maybe a little bit gotcha and, journalism. Well, and here's the thing. Gotcha journalism. You can't. You can't. Gotcha. This is what she's being paid to do. First of all, I just want to say, no hate to the journalist. No. This is what she's being paid to do. Yes. So just like when you have a job, you know, I I made I made chicken sandwiches for Chick Fil A. I love Chick Fil A chicken sandwiches. So this is a very bad example, but maybe I'm like a, a vegan mm. or something. You know what I mean? Mm. What? what? Is she accusing Bitcoin of being a cult and accusing people what? of being cult leaders? What? No, she, I, I don't she's think doing she ever. J- I don't think she ever gave any. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, uh, she's just, just, I don't accuse people of doing their job, but I will yeah. accuse somebody of doing their job if their job is immoral. Yeah. Well, keep going. It's keep not. Going. I don't. Anyways, anyways. Yeah. I what I will say is I can go. You can go after the the public the publication, but anyways, I thought it was a great conversation. Had a great time. I think the best part is that. Okay, this is my favorite part of the whole article. <laughs> <laughs> is it goes? It goes. So then we're meeting, we're going to uh, interview with uh, Tim Warren, uh, a previous minister and training trainer. And then it says, and then Christian Maynard, uh, Chick-fil-A line cook. <laughs> it just says Chick-fil-A line cook. And then guess what? She didn't oh pull a, gosh. she didn't put a single quote that I said. And no. I spoke, we had like maybe 15 minutes of conversation. No, Not is- a single thing I said made on the article. <laughs> I'm now forever known to the readers of the Daily Beast as just Chick-fil-A, ex-Chick-fil-A line cook. <laughs> No, with a picture of me going, it's ridiculous. Oh this goodness. is the funny. This is the funny part is that she she asked us. She she kind of transitioned into you know I usually write about cults. What do you guys think about that? Is Bitcoin a cult? So we we did say you know I think there are people out there. By the way, when she had did the title, she interviewed someone who said, "Oh yes, we're a cult." And it's like, okay, so some people do think there's a cult. We actually talked about why Bitcoin wasn't a cult and that some people might view it that way. But we, we went into deep detail about why Bitcoin is, could be a use case for a lot of good things happening in the world. And that people, this we literally, both Sme and I talked about this. People should not put all of their hope into Bitcoin. It is a great solution to financial woes, but it's not going to fix all the problems. That's when it kind of transitioned to us talking about faith. I discussed how even though Bitcoin is phenomenal, that Jesus is still a hope. And I'm not going to get all of that in this stream, but like that was what I said. I want to read you the quote she took. This is the gotcha journalism. Let's take certain segments of what Tim said, or again, lack of what Smay says, just to feed the feed the beast of what we're going for. It says... Uh, First of all, it said that because of Tim's religious background, it kind of led him into crypto. So I don't Wait, remember what? saying any of that. How, how but that the happen? quote she took from me was, Jesus was the hope for mankind, Warren said, of the link between his faith and infatuation with crypto. We now live in a world where the U.S. dollar is failing, the euro is failing, the yuan is failing, we're dying. And then, boom, Bitcoin, he continued. There's hope now. So she kind of makes it look <laughs> like I completely have abandoned my faith. And now my whole faith is in Bitcoin. Uh, even though we went, again, 15 minutes of Bitcoin is not a cult. It's still not the end all be all. And yet the quote she took, she dissected to say, oh, it's it, even even this former minister and Chick-fil-A fry cook now are joining the cult of Bitcoin. What's even funnier, hey, though? Line cook. Here's what's funny. Yeah, line cook. Get it right, dude. I, yeah, yeah, I, I gave up being a line cook. The, the funniest part, though, this is gets me. I'm going to read from this one. This is what it deals with our fans. So, again, this is, if you guys see them in chat, Matt C., Brad Geidel, and Tom Wilkes. This is who she's referring to. Near the bar at a break between panels, I met three middle-aged men from Tampa, Los Angeles, and somewhere in Wisconsin. Just pause right there. <laughs> 
Why not just say Wisconsin? Like somewhere why, in Wisconsin. why somewhere in Wisconsin? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Shout out to Brad, by the way. Shout out to Brad. Wait, 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 hang on a second. I'm sorry. No, no offense to Brad, but can anybody name a city from Wisconsin? Because I can't. Yeah, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. Okay, I'm stupid. Okay. Then. Anyway, <laughs> Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. Moving on, she goes on to say that uh, they, they, these three had freewheeling energy of a bachelor party. <laughs> Quoting, quoting one of them saying he has a restraining order that says he can't be this close to pretty ladies. One of them joked what? as he saw his friend. It just the the persona they put on. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It was so, and, and what's crazy, we were pointing this out. Uh, and I, I was texting this morning even with Tom Wilkes. He was like, notice that the one person they quoted from the booths, because there's literally hundred, at least 100 booths in there. They find the one guy that I think is like panties for Bitcoin. And, and he <laughs> I says Bitcoin that, is a cult. And, and, and it's just like, yeah, boiling it down. She literally came to this and said she was wanting to learn. She came to this saying, I'm writing a story on the cult of Bitcoin, and I will find whoever I need to find to push this narrative. I think it's a hilarious story, uh, but it, it was it's just reading this article. Again, you guys can find it. It's entitled, if you guys want to look it up, Daily Beast, we're a cult inside Bitcoin's shameless high test. <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty funny. And she, even the other people, the individuals she found, she found some of the most... Uh, one of the stories she tells is she was sitting in the Jack Mallers speech or the 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 um, thing, and at the end she said the man next to me began to cry, and I was like, okay, like uh, you, so. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. This is this is what comes with. Just in case you guys were of any delusion, maybe you're new to the space, maybe you just tuned in, you're watching, you're hearing all this nonsense. Let me tell you something. This is what comes with having a decentralized uh, a platform community. You're gonna get all kinds of weird people. Right? Yeah. There's going to be a guy setting up a booth called Panties for Bitcoin. Right? Yep. That's just going to be. <clears throat> I remember that booth. I walked hey, past it many times. That's what happens. And that's what, you know, people who write in these articles like that, they can go and collect all the dirt, all the weird people that in the community and put stuff together. But, you know, I think the sad part is that now it's. We we got roped into it. Now it forever on the Daily Beast. It'll All be right. ex Chick Fil A line cook. Yeah. Okay. No, I will give her credit to your what you said. There is one point in the article she does say the biggest challenge to the Bitcoin as a cult theory was that the community does not have a central charismatic leader. The only oh, person that comes close you. is Soshi Nakamoto. So she gives it credit. I didn't even read the but even but even there was a there was another another interview. The only person that gave her a whole heck of a lot of pushback on Bitcoin going a cult she described as a very defensive uh, like like. Uh, um, what the, what's the word? But pretty much, she said the only person that rejected this was very defensive about it, and it's like she she just had a narrative. She decided beforehand this is a cult. Okay, so I I found what I'm talking about. There are eight steps to being indoctrinated into a into a into a cult. So I'm going to run through these really quickly. And by the way. It takes all eight steps for you to be in a cult because some of these steps happen with many things. Like, hey, I really like Apple. Loving Apple is not a cult, <clears throat> For just to be clear. Identify the potential recruit. That's step one. Now, notice here, somebody has to do the identifying. Who's doing that? YouTubers? I don't know. Who, who's identifying the, the potential recruits, the people that are going to become the doctors and soldiers and engineers? Who are the people that are going to identify recruits of the cult? Oh, there's no central authority here. Number two, and, this, and you know, obviously we know it's not a cult. It's just fun to go through this because it's pretty yeah. funny to make fun of it. 
Persuade the recruit to walk into the web. It may seem innocent. A self-help group, a retreat, relationship therapy, church, a business meeting, an evening class, etc. All those things are innocent because just because you recruited somebody to come to your class does not mean that your class is a cult. You got to have all eight. Love bombing. Give them so much love, of support, and affection that they have so much trust for you. Sell, 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 sell. They must be smiling, friendly. A lot of people are like, oh, wow, this is perfect. Tough love. Then step five is where things start getting harder. The gloves come off. Reduce autonomy. Induce dependency. Members may be deprived of sleep or food, giving exhausting tasks, kept away from their usual support ne networks. Rigid rules and rituals may be introduced. Huh? This doesn't sound like tough. This doesn't sound like crypto at all. Okay, let's keep going. Renouncing loved ones. Dollar cost averaging. Persuade it's a ritual. You, persuade your recruit to renounce friends and family, anyone who offers a reality check. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that indoctrinate themselves into their own little one-person cult around Bitcoin because they say, screw the rest of the world. I'm going to do this Bitcoin thing. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. That does. But Bitcoin in and of itself is not and cannot be a cult because it doesn't have a core. It doesn't have a, an institution. The introduction of core beliefs. Charles Manson, we're not going to get into all that. Core beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the creed, da, 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 da. And then here's the last one, zero tolerance for criticism. Shame anyone who questions. Shun anyone who leaves. Continuing, uh, continuing controls, reliability, uh, absolute obedience, and members being afraid to leave. Does that, is that a, no, it's just not. So there you go. Those are the eight steps of being indoctrinated into a cult. You know, a couple of them are actually very innocent. There's nothing wrong with persuading someone to come to your class or your self-help group or figure yeah. or doing marketing. It's when you start saying, hey, you can't leave or the world's going to end that it becomes a problem. That's just not crypto. Absolutely. It, it's full screen. It was just to me is a funny story. Again, it was my first it was my first indoctrination <laughs> into gotcha journalism, which, by the way, again, Emily just did her job. You know, she was she was uh, she, she even told us. Her specialty in writing was to follow cults. She follows cults. That's what she does. So I'm sure in one of their meetings up there, they said, oh, look at this Bitcoin thing going like wildfire. I bet it's a cult. Emily, we're flying you down to Miami. Give us a piece about the cult of Bitcoin. Great piece, though. I mean, if you guys want to go read it, she's a great writer. All, you know, we love you, Emily. You did a great job writing. I just found it really hilarious. Uh, you know, she she clearly doesn't know Bitcoin. She said, she's, I don't understand Bitcoin that much. I'm here to just write more uh, uh, information about it. But I, I got a kick out of the article. I thought you guys would too, especially since it involved three of our uh, members as well. We got a, we got a, we got a, a special guest, T Shroom. A T Shroom take. I have the perfect quote for this. <laughs> what? What? what Emily is the victim. Uh, basically. Every every uh, when your when your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And yeah. so she she came with the with the bias. That it's the, true. Bitcoin's a cult. Well, right. and the people asking in chat, why would you talk with the Daily Beast? Here's the thing, we this the good thing for us. This gets us one step closer, and it's good for you guys as well. It, unless you uh, have been under rock, you guys know that fake. Crypto Jeb Twitter accounts are popping up all over the place. Fake Instagram things. Getting articles like this with our name in it, even though it was a funny article, it'll get us one step closer to getting verified, uh, which will be very nice so you guys can see that blue check next to Jeb's name. You know, and you will not be duped. You know, I'm in the LA Times. Are you? I am in the LA hey, Times. We gotta get, we, so we got to start collaborating. I'm in the Los Angeles together, Times. And then, I'm dead serious. Here, check yeah. this out. Jeb McAfee, LA Times. UFO fan stop just short of Area 51. You guys remember Area 51? Yeah, I rated that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I am dead serious. Hang on. This is our fun time. Oh Jeb McAfee drove down the narrow desert. You got you get into the first sentence and you're already wrong because it was my brother who was driving. Yeah. <laughs> drove down the narrow road. Da -da 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 -da. Caleb Lauer, my brother. Hadn't slept in 24 hours. Hey, we need the sword. We bought this sword. Do they have a 
picture of <laughs> Go back to the quote. Go back to the quote. Hey, we need a sword. Hey, we need a sword. What is the context of this? <laughs> Do I need to be dressed like hey, an alien? Hey, we need a sword. Do I need to be dressed like an alien? Only if you feel like it, apparently I said. None of this was ever said. But oh that is gosh. the... If you look up my name... That's literally like the first thing that comes up is LinkedIn and then a bunch of people trying to figure out my net worth and then I'm in the LA Times. So there you go. It's just we got our names in some really funny articles, don't we, fellas? It's a, it's fun. It's a fun life. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's read some more Super Chats and then we'll wrap it out here. See if we have any. Oh, man. We have one from Brandon H17 said, I can only imagine the rally markets will have once if the war ends in Europe. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's going to be I think that is going to help, but the the thing is crypto is pretty um uh, pretty devoid of not devoid, excuse me. It whenever the the very tragic war in Ukraine began uh about almost 2 months ago now. Can't believe it's been 2 months. That's crazy. Yeah. Um you know, it didn't do a ton to Bitcoin's price. You know, obviously it's a horrible thing, but we didn't see a major impact on the Bitcoin price. So when it ends, hopefully it ends, you know, immediately. Uh, I don't know how big of an impact it'll actually have on the Bitcoin price, just speaking from a technical standpoint there. Mm. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we have. Crypto set guy wanted to point out TA Tim. Can we also talk about how she found them, meaning Matt C., uh, Tom Wilkes and Brad at the bar. Um, so, yeah, it's a funny little tidbit. I thought they just met at some table. I don't even think it was like a bar. Like, was there a bar at the conference? I don't think there was. Yeah, yeah, there, there was. was. Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was ne- right next to the, uh, oh, well. it was right next to the thing. I was going to get a beer and Greg got mad at me. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he did. I'm serious. That's a true story. I'm trying to look to see if there's anything else. We don't have any super chats. But what I do want to update people again, we... Thank you again for your patience with Club DeFi because I know that's another topic. Absolutely. We are continuing to work. I think there's a lot of headway and some progress has been made there, but it's going to be a little bit of a process to continue to make sure we work out all the bugs. Uh, but it from my from talking with our marketing director, Shannon, he says that uh, there's a lot of stuff happening there that's good. We should be getting all this stuff fixed. But again, if you're still struggling with anything, do not hesitate to get to our uh, our. Uh, customer service team Taylor's responding to all those emails I think she said when I was talking to her this morning she is caught up but again please be patient because she's a one man working crew in that department but uh, you guys should be up and running here very soon by the way some good news about Club DeFi in the first three days after the beta was announced we had 2,147 people try to sign up for Club DeFi we only had 200 seats available and the only announcement that was done was on the stream there was only about 1,500 people watching the stream it ended up getting about 14,000 views so the number of people in Club DeFi is going to be ridiculous. There could be 100,000 people in Club DeFi in the next three years with the way this thing is going. So once it, go, once it goes full launch, it's going to be a giant community. We're to, Oh my goodness, it's going to be huge. And we're going to be pumping out content, 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 content into Club DeFi, bringing mm. you tons of course material. We're still working on more course material, by the way, behind the scenes as this thing is in beta. There's 67 videos in there right now. There's more in the process. I, th- I think we're working on trading right now, right? What's the status of all that? Trading thing? is working on being edited at the moment actually what yeah. we're working on right now is building uh we're, we're working on a course in oh gosh why am i blanking on on-chain metrics yep. another a couple courses we have in the works and we haven't decided which we're gonna go first but we're probably gonna do some yield farming courses we're gonna do some staking courses yep. we're also gonna do maybe even go back to basics and go back to basics 101 everything you need to know about crypto because yep. it's it, low-key crypto is almost like its own language when you start diving yep. into all the different technologies and all different words and what they mean uh we're gonna create like almost a crypto one-on-one for that way you can send even your your mom and your dad and your family members say hey you don't know what crypto is here's one location you can learn everything 
everything you need to learn about how to invest and not feel like a complete outsider and a buffoon. You can actually feel like you're a part of what's happening. Absolutely, and that's the point is that whenever Club DeFi launches, you're going to be getting access to hundreds of videos across dozens of courses that are updated every single month, bringing you fresh content on everything you need to know about crypto. In fact, how many videos? Do you, there, there's 67 videos in there right now for just the beta. I mean, that's more than what CG2A ever had 70. by a long shot. Yeah, I think it's over 70. How many do you? How many are in the works right now with all those courses? Oh, and, uh, so about? there's 70. I think it's like 77 videos currently there. Oh, and then, I could and then be wrong on that Another number. 40 are about to come out after that. Wow, there's 40 and in there's trading. There's a, 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 so 40. <laughs> for uh, 44 uh, trading. Jeez. And then what's going to happen, just so you guys know, is that every time there's a lot of really good frequently asked questions, we're not going to have a frequently asked question page where you frequently can just go read the answer. Videos. When we see answers, we're going to go in and make specialized videos with the titles of those frequently asked questions. We're also going to have like open office hours or webinars. I don't know exactly what we're calling them to where twice a week <clears> you can come in and you can actually get to ask questions and we respond to them live yep. because we really do want this to be a community-based environment where you can learn to make all these decisions for yourself. If you want to find investors for you, if you want to have other people invest for you, that's completely fine. You can make money, but how much better would it be if you were able to control and make all those decisions yourself? That's the whole purpose of Club DeFi and what we're building is so that you can be in control. In other words, you can have financial sovereignty where you have control of your money, not your money controlling over you. Amen. And by the way, shout out to Blaine Grauman. I can definitely give you a shout out, my friend. Thank you for being so active in chat. Club DeFi is going to be great, guys. And by the way, it does come with its own Discord. It will be available to anybody who is a paying member of Club DeFi. So long as you're a paying member of Club DeFi, then you will be able to be in that Discord. That Discord is going to get freaking huge and is going to be great. And we're also going to have different webinars and all kinds of features there. So be on the lookout for Club DeFi. It will be going into a full launch here in the next few months. We don't know the exact date yet because obviously we're still working out some kinks. That's why it's in beta. But once we know that, you will know that. And we are very, very excited for all of that. Tim, I have an idea. Yeah. We should found a satire news site called The Tomato. Why the tomato? Well, the onion doesn't just just doesn't sound uh -huh. good. Yeah, we should do that. And then what we'd be able to do is we'd be able to write articles about how Jeb's uh, alien sword wielding cult leader or whatever people are talking about in chat. And then we could talk about you know how Bitcoin's a cult, and we we, we could we could invite her on it, and she could satirically <laughs> call Bitcoin a cult. <laughs> you make one called the Daily. What do coin? you think about the Daily Beast? What about the cult? Daily Coin? Yeah, the Daily Coin. I want to do the Daily Coin, and then we can write a bunch Gosh. of fake articles about, uh, like, crypto. Documents. I got an idea. What about the Babylon Beast? What about that name? No, no. No, no. Too, too similar. That, no, that, sound, similar. that sounds like a, like a spiritual thing. I don't like it. <laughs> the Babylon Beast? Yeah. It's like the Babylon yeah. Bee, but it's the, ba it's, it's yeah, the, but be Babylon, the Beast. Yeah, but Babylon Beast sounds like something a little <laughs> Okay, that does actually sound kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That does sound pretty scary. Guys, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let's do some final thoughts. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, Babylon Beast is <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has gone off the yeah. rails. <laughs> this has gone off the rails. Guys, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Make sure to follow all of us on all of our social media platforms over at CryptoJeb on Twitter, at CryptoJeb over on Instagram, and CryptoJeb Official over on TikTok. Make sure to stay tuned for today's afternoon video. It's going to be a good one. We've been putting out some great content lately. Wouldn't want you to miss any of it. Smay, what are your final thoughts on Bitcoin? Do you have any ideas about where it's going to go next? We haven't really gotten too much of your take. Um, I think it's going to go up and to the right. Yeah? Over what time frame? 
uh, eventually. Eventually. Yep. Back okay. to you, Jeff. Well, there's there's your analysis. Thank you very much. And now for the weather. What is basically what that was. Thank you guys very much. Are there any final super chats or any final questions that we want to answer in chat before we wrap it out, Tim? Do you I see don't anything? See any that popped up. Let me Make sure. It, I know sometimes if guys, if you ever give a super chat or anything that slips through the cracks. We are not perfect. Yeah. We are humans. Please let us know, and we want to make sure to get those read in future shows. But I think we're caught up. I think that is all of them. So Good deal. Well, guys, like I said, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Make sure to check out the sponsor of today's show, Coin Change, and make sure to stay tuned for Club DeFi. It will be launching before long. And for everybody who is a part of the closed beta, but you're not able to get in yet, we're working out those kinks. Our marketing director is working very, very hard behind the scenes on that. That's all I got for you today, guys. Before I go, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching, as always. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast. Tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at MacV Media.